0: Welcome, everyone, to Becker's Clinical Leadership Pharmacy Virtual Event. I'm Brian Zerman, and I'll be your
1: moderator for the session titled Beyond the Hype, How the Best Health Systems Use AI to Optimize Daily Tasks. So we're going to start off with some standard introductions and get going right away here. Sue, why don't you kick us off and tell us just a little bit about uh, your your role and your organization.
0: Sure. So my name is Sue Mashney. I'm the um, Senior Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer for the Mount Sinai Health System in New York. Uh, we have eight hospitals, about 1,500 doctors, a um, pretty robust ACO team, uh, right in the middle of uh, New York City. So happy to be here, and thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Massey. Uh, Dr. Chang, how about you? Thanks, Brian. Uh, Pete Chang,
2: I'm the VP of Care Transformation, sort of that chief digital officer position here at Tampa General. We're about a little over a thousand beds, right in the heart of Tampa Bay. Um, single facility, So um, expanding every day and and growing and
3: learning. Thanks, Brian.
1: Thank you so much, Pete. And Dr. Stark.
3: Um, Keith Starkey. I'm an internist by training. Um, Chief clinical officer at Mercy, now retired from that role about a year ago and serving as a senior advisor. um, And I'm still part of the faculty uh, as a clinical professor of medicine at St. Louis University School of Medicine.
1: Excellent, thank you, Dr. Stark. All right, so let's start big here with my first question. You know, I, I think I've been writing about healthcare, reading about healthcare as profession for about about six years now, and I, in the span of that time, well before I even started, we were t- there was talk about how AI had the potential to really transform healthcare. So the question then I want I want to start with, and, and Keith, perhaps you can kick us off, is since we've been talking about sort of AI, artificial intelligence, transforming care for quite some time, I just want to ask you sort of pointedly, uh, is this promise being realized today?
3: I think it is being realized today. Um, And, you know, when I think back, you know, several years ago, and we were all excited about it, um, it was probably a little premature. And um, being able to translate the technology into a usable functionality that that impacted our patients and was able to provide, um, in in essence, that second set of eyes for our clinicians. Uh, it, it, it has been, um, I think it's, it's been, been a big deal because it's, it's arriving and it has a whole lot more potential.
1: So it's sort of, it is making that transformation happening, but we're not all the way there yet. It's not the, the the potential, like, sort of in the nation stages of of it being transformative, right? Correct. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Peter, do you want to add to to any of Keith's comments there?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, if you look at stuff, uh, as we reference uh, sports analogies all the time, we're probably in the preseason for AI and healthcare. Um, Definitely looking forward to the Super Bowl, but um, still have quite a ways to go to get there. And I think when I think about AI, it's really integrating into that clinical workflow. Um, everyone says, you know, they're transforming care, even my physician is care transformations, but it's really providing the care that patients deserve. And I think a lot of the AI strategies that we have could, could get us much closer to that uh, t- true utopia of getting to the care our patients really deserve.
1: Thank you so much, Pete. Uh, Sue, any, anything to add to, to what Pete and Keith sort of shared about AI, uh, you know, the promise of it being realized in healthcare and, and uh, to Pete's point is his phrasing uh, to deliver care, the care that patients deserve.
0: Absolutely. I, I do think during the COVID crisis, um, we were able to see some of the real life technologies that we've been working with um, come to pr- fruition pretty quickly. So for example, um, you know, early on in COVID when um we really were throwing everything at our patients, not really sure what was working or not. Um, we were able to use some technology to model those patients that were getting better and those patients that weren't getting better to put all the data basically in, into, uh, um, munge it together or, or using whatever IT terms um, and do some predictive analytics around you know real time, what was working, what wasn't working, um, in a time when we didn't have much time to waste. And that, in that way, I felt like we were getting a lot closer to being able, being able to um, use more real-time uh, analytics in a critical conversation, in a critical situation. Um, so I do feel like we're getting there, certainly the sky's the limit on all the different ways that we can use AI in, in healthcare and um, in our interactive with our patients' lives um, and looking forward to finding those new ways.
1: Yeah, so the, so the pandemic, and I think I've heard this before too, has really been an accelerant for for not just um, perhaps telehealth adoption, which is sort of broadly we we talk about that all the time, but also technology adoption uh, sort of across the enterprise, right, for various different things.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, excellent. I, I would say the other thing that we've really gotten out of, and obviously everybody telehealth become a you know um, quite the regular happening now where it wasn't necessarily before. But even in remote patient monitoring and modeling what patients we need to monitor remotely and how and we're able to do better disease state management, um, you know, and, and really even triaging which patients that we choose that for and using technologies in a smarter way um, has also come to fruition also.
1: Thank you, Sue. Appreciate that. And I wanna start with you on the next question. I wanna hit everyone on on this one, which is, I wanna get specific about sort of how your organizations have approached um, the integration of AI powered technology. And if you could share perhaps just where it's been most impactful for you. Um, And like I said, Sue, we can start with you.
0: Sure. So I think, you know, um, Sina has a lot of um, innovative kind of um, programs and they've rolled out AI departments uh, that integrate with us. um, data management department, so we even have a pharmacist or a pharmacy team that's around data analytics now, which I think is, is growing and helping us to be smarter around how we're, you know, holistically looking at um, better addressing how AI can impact our patient care. Um, you know, I think specifically, like I said, with respect to, um, with, with, with respect to COVID and coming out of COVID and um, trying to anticipate what life is going to be like in the future, Um, You know what kind of patients we're gonna have, what are gonna be some of our challenges. We've put a lot of energies around there, um, making certain that we have technologies to support ambulatory care um, virtually as much as possible. Um, I would also say that we're looking for ways that we can make it easier for our healthcare providers to spend time doing the things that are important um, and maybe simplifying some of our processes using AI. So as an example, um, driving so that some of the functionalities that pharmacists spend time on now, like um, order verification of, of medications that potentially have already been given or don't necessarily need that extra level of oversight is something that we're using AI to help identify and streamline and make more efficient.
1: Yeah, and I imagine when you, we talk a lot about sort of the burden on healthcare staff right now, um, doing using technology to make their work easier, I imagine it is a major priority for a lot of folks, right?
0: Absolutely. As yeah. we're all dealing with, you know, the uh, the big quit or whatever they call it, um, yeah. you know, it's really challenging.
1: Yeah, some challenging workforce uh, issues yeah. to yeah. to be yeah. sure.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, Pete, then I want to turn to you uh, if you can build on those comments and share what what you're what you're doing at Tampa General with AI. Yeah,
2: and no, I totally agree with what Sue said. It's really around process automation. That's where we've spent the majority of our AI efforts focused on. So we built a, a big command center and we uh, empower a lot of the workflows um, around the hospital with this sort of idea of process automation. So you know, moving patients from point A to point B more efficiently, um, looking at acuity to prioritize which patient gets the next resource. Um, just as Sue mentioned that she's doing on the outpatient side to prioritize which patients may need a higher touch from a remote patient monitoring perspective, We could also employ those same concepts to look at deterioration around the hospital as far as patients you know going in the wrong direction and uh, really looking at the outcome metrics of maybe preventing uh, the amount of lowering the number of code blues that are called every day in a hospital lowering the amount of, of transfers from acute care to ICU level of care by making earlier interventions That's really where we start to transition for the inflection point from looking at things uh, strictly from an operational perspective and moving into the clinical realm. Um, And I think there's a lot of sensitivity when you start talking about AI in the clinical realm because everyone thinks that um, AI is set out to replace the people that take care of patients. And I really don't think that that's the, the, the true spirit behind what AI is doing. As, as Sue mentioned, it's really making the clinicians, the nurses job easier, allowing them to practice what they love, which is really spending time with their patients and thinking about how they're gonna treat their patients. And so, you know, I, I commonly give the example, I don't want AI to make a diagnosis for me as a physician but I do want AI to present the information that's pertinent to the care of that patient in a meaningful way. And when you start looking at what the potential we have is, it's, it's huge because you start looking at EHRs. EHRs really don't have a high degree of AI or predictive analytics built into them. There's all these bolt-ons that we add on or things that we do to try to engineer around the data, but really making sure that we're presenting the important clinical information to a clinician. They don't have to go out and find it. That's kind of a common theme here in the hospital. I want people, whether it's operational or clinical data, I don't want them to have to go look for it. The data should come find them with the important insights they need to do their jobs.
1: Pete, I I think you touched on something fascinating there, which is sort of... um... Uh, the term AI is kind of loaded. It, it, it sort of has a bit of baggage attached to it. So I, I wonder how you approach those conversations then with, when you talk about clinical AI, integrating that stuff with, with clinicians and, and other staff who might be interacting with this type of technology, just really like sort of uh, uh, demystify it and, and sort of un- uh, g- unload some of that baggage for folks so they can, you can really generate that buy-in. How do you approach those conversations? Yeah, I think, I think it's
2: really around making their jobs easier. You know, so you said it before, I mentioned it. It's really, once you explain the concept of what it actually means to their work every day, I think it has a huge impact on their understanding of what AI actually is and how it can help them in their daily work. Um, you know, it's a very important concept as you start to roll big initiatives out across the hospital, like a command center, to think about how these insights are going to change the way we think about how we deliver care it's, it's, it's really impactful to, to see that light bulb turn on in a frontline team member's head when they really see the power of what AI and predictive analytics and machine learning could do for their, their daily work. And, and they usually get really excited once they understand, but there is a hill to climb to really get to the point where you have a common definition and people really understand what you're talking about. And again, how it's gonna affect the work they do every day.
1: Yeah. So you got to be specific about the why and, and the results you're trying to achieve. And then to your point, the, the technology will kind of sell itself once you get it up and running, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Really kind of starting with why, you know, um, yeah. is, is an important one. And then starting off with what metric you're trying to improve and how the insights are
1: going to help to improve. Thank you, Pete. Uh, Keith, want to turn it to you now to talk about how you're using AI at Mercy or build on any of your your, um, fellow panelists comments you've heard on on this piece. You
3: know, one of the things that uh, we had done early on was to look outside um, and look at specific vendors to um, see what what, what they could bring into the organization to help. And actually did not find that particularly helpful. And so we really then turned to within and really start focusing on More utilizing the skill sets in AI to drive specific solutions. So I'll give an example. Um, As many of us know, um, diabetes care in the hospital can be challenging, particularly with hypoglycemia. Um, And hypoglycemia is a significant patient safety factor. It's going to be one of the CMS measures coming up. Um, And when we looked across our facilities, and our footprint is across Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma City, we saw really lots of variation in the amount of hypoglycemic events occurring in our facilities. And the first thing that we did was really look at, okay, how do we standardize the pathway work around uh, diabetes? And I would say that the impact that that had was probably about a 50% improvement, so if you look at national data uh, around events, less than 3% hypoglycemia is really the top decile performance. And we were able to get many of our facilities close, some to that 3%. But then the next step really was recognizing, can we actually build a predictive tool that said, this patient is a high risk patient for developing hypoglycemia? Um, And we did. And it's being used by almost half of our facilities today, and we will be rolling it out across um, our other facilities in the future. But what it's really, what it's really doing, and this, this really goes to both Sue's and uh, Peter's comments about making it easier for our clinicians. Um, and so it's it's identifying patients who are high risk for developing hypoglycemia, and by use of virtual and um, secure texting, um, we're able to get that information to our nurses at at the bedside and to the the physicians. And so one of our facilities in Washington, Missouri was the first place that we did that. And again, really drove even better numbers around um, hypoglycemic events. So it it really works. It really makes the care of the patient outcomes better and um, our providers, who at first were not necessarily happy, would never give it up now.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it sounds like it's, it's been very impactful. And once, like, to, to your point, once you see those results come in, then it's just, well, you know, there's no turning back now. We've got to keep keep doing this and expand it further. Correct. Excellent. Thank you, Keith. Uh, the, the next question I want to ask, and Keith, we can start with you, is, Let's say someone's out there listening and their organization is perhaps in the very early stages or or does not have much experience with AI in their organization at all. Um, what what would you suggest they they focus on in, in these early stages? What what daily tasks could just be easily easily optimized? Where's like the low-hanging fruit, I guess, where folks can can look to leverage this technology and get some instant results? You know,
3: great question. In in terms of low-hanging fruit, I think they're there really is a lot of low-hanging fruit. Um, and we look at the, if you, if you look at the waste in our um, in healthcare today, it's really about identifying what do we wanna work on? What's, what's the area that we have the passion, the expertise around? And then um, if you don't have the, the capabilities within, then looking for the right outside resources to help put the solution in place. And I think it's, it's really important that the individual healthcare facility or system really directs that. You're not looking for solutions that provide AI for um, care in the hospital. You're really focusing on what's that specific problem that we want to take on, and then, cre- and then looking for, for external solutions if you don't have that capacity internally, looking for external solutions that will solve that specific problem.
0: Thank you, so starting
1: with the problem and then trying to achieve results with, with the tools. Um, Sue, let's start to you on the same question.
0: You know, it's always um, difficult to prioritize You know, within the health system, um, what you put your, your, your efforts in, around. And um, we've been charged recently by our, our president of our hospital organization um, to be more innovative and efficient in the ways that we look at workflows. Um, and really to look at all the different areas that we think that we could find improvement and to collaborate with one another um, to look deeper and, and dive deeper in, into how we can, you know, what we should fix and how we should fix things. Um, I think some examples are, um, you know, we've we're much more collaborative with um, discharges and turning rooms over fast. So you know, um, using um, different technologies um, and, and interacting better with the patients around when they're ready to leave. Um, things like um, making certain the room is clean and giving them a QR code to scan so that they that can be reported up uh, on a data a dashboard so that we can say, okay, you know, this patient has an issue or this room is ready. Um, or those kind of things. I think looking at workflows like uh, medication reconciliation, again, something that we look at all the time, um, is something that's holding up discharges and also um, associated with poor patient outcomes and trying to do our best to put that interaction um, more with the patient and rework our workflows um, to look at the different technologies that are available for us to be able to expedite that process, knowing that we will never fix it perfectly, um, but you know, looking at sort of all of our big picture items and picking out small tests of change that we can work on in collaboration and putting teams together collaboratively. Um, most every day, I'm always asking that question, is the juice worth the squeeze on this one? Um, you know, is this something that we want to spend a lot of time on um, using the technology and, and the automation that we have um, in, a, in a smarter way? Um, So, for example, in pharmacy, you know, technology as simple as repackaging machines that we can use both internally and externally on the ambulatory side and inpatient side um, so that we can deal with some of the shortage issues that we have or issues with uh, integrity in the supply chain, Um, being able to take the ownership back using automation so that we can still be efficient and fast, but um, being able to deal with issues uh, quickly and sort of being able to own that, Um, you know, there's just a couple examples. Um, of things we're
1: doing at Sinai yeah appreciate that so much Sue um, and, and Pete I want to have you weigh in here as well but I know we are tight on time so I also want to invite any any closing comments or thoughts you might have and then we'll quickly hear, hear from Sue and Keith again before we sign off but Pete go ahead
2: Thanks Brian you know this is a really interesting one right um, you know Keith and Sue mentioned a lot of the similar concepts and themes that we have at our hospital around you know defining the problem, figuring out, how the process is gonna work and how technology can be additive to make that process uh, quicker and more successful. And, you know, I think that's really the challenge because you look at the the value equation for healthcare, right? It's quality over cost. And we're always striving to improve quality and drive down cost, but it is a Mount Everest climb, right? I mean, it it is a battle and we will continue on as healthcare providers to always, you know, aim at improving quality and decreasing costs. But where I really feel, um, I don't know if I'd call it low-hanging fruit, but I really feel there is an awesome opportunity in the patient experience to use AI. Um, Concepts around care coordination and making sure our patients are getting to the right care at the right place at the right time, um, that overall makes that hospital system more efficient or the healthcare system more efficient. So, you know, some of the efforts we're really focusing and doubling down on now using AI and predictive analytics is really around care pathway design and patient experience to really kind of augment, because that is the multiplier, right? If you can uh, make the experience twice as better for a patient and there's clinical aspects, there's operational aspects to that person's care, then you're really kind of doubling the value of healthcare. care Uh, for that patient, and so that's that's kind of where we're focusing in on. It may not be the easiest one to start off with, but otherwise, I think we just engineer ourselves into creating point solutions across our system for individual problems we're trying to solve versus trying to maybe look at things from a patient experience perspective, and as Keith mentioned, looking at not only outside Um, our hospital and our our system looking at vendors that are in this field, but I even look at other industries, right? You look at retail, you look at uh, technology, travel. Um, There's so many other places that I think healthcare can draw parallels from that I'm sure if you're sitting within one of the big retail companies, you're not looking at creating AI solutions for point problems. You're looking at things from a much larger perspective. And I think that's the similar position we need to take in healthcare.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Pete. We're about at time, but Keith, I'll throw it to you for some quick final thoughts, and then Sue, uh, we'll hear from you and we'll close out.
3: So I I agree very much with what Peter just mentioned. And I think as we look at areas that historically have been challenges for our hospitals, so length of stay, readmission, um, those those more systemic solutions that I think Peter was talking about have to be part of it. Um, We've got to be able to help our, and part of this is helping our clinicians raise, raise the alert, raise the awareness of, Hey, this is ready to go. And uh, we just, we haven't been able to, to satisfy the complexity of healthcare that each of us as human beings are trying to deal with. And AI can really help us start to navigate that and do that, in a more, more coherent fashion.
1: Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it. Sue, final words to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the sky's the limit, like I said earlier, with, with the use of the AI in healthcare. I think we have we all have a lot of different ways that we can offer care to our patients now. Um, and all those ways are, are wonderful. Our biggest challenge is to optimize and give the patient a choice about how they want to be cared for um, and to make all those programs efficient and effective enough that you know we can stay alive in this crazy uh, environment that we're in now, um, and you know partnering with one another and sharing ideas I think is a great start. So pre- appreciate the time and the ability to do this today.
1: Yes, appreciate you Sue. Uh, appreciate you Pete and Keith as well, and to all of you in, in attendance. Thanks. Um, we appreciate you being part of Becker's virtual event, and we hope to see you at future ones. Thanks everyone.
0: Thank you. Great to Thank be you. everybody.
1: Thank you.